pick your class and learn your battle points. Because it's time for the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. Welcome to episode 196 of the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. I'm your host, Sage Goodwin, and today I am joined by... Me, Eckhart's Ladder. Hello. Thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> and Andrew, I'm from Bombastic. How's it going, everyone? Today we're going to be talking about squadrons, overall thoughts, gameplay, and some of the more detail-oriented stuff about the game. Let's get started. So let's get started with uh, kind of an overview of what uh, both of you guys do. Uh, let's get started with Eckert's. What's uh, what's my gig? What's your gig? Yeah, so my name is Justin. I run a couple of YouTube channels. The one I'm most well known for is Eckhart's Ladder, which is a Star Wars, sci-fi, Halo YouTube channel focused mostly on lore. And then recently, especially since Star Wars Squadrons came out, I also have a second channel that I've been putting a lot of time into, X2, which is mostly gaming Lots of live streams. Up until this point, mostly Empire at War, but now digging pretty heavily into Squadrons because I really, really love it. Hey everyone, you might know me as Andrew from Bombastic. I cover all things Star Wars gaming on Bombastic, talk about Star Wars Squadrons, Jedi Fallen Order, made a lot of videos about that, Battlefront 2, Lego Star Wars, and every other random Star Wars game you can think of in between. My favorite game I've played this year is actually Star Wars Racer, going back to 1999. Oh, yes. brought back so many incredible memories and it was just like such a nostalgia trip for me and it's such a good game that holds mm-hmm. up the today. mechanics in that game are super solid like it's not just it's, cool because it's yeah, a pod really racer tight. game but it's like it's just like mario kart 64 like the game it seems just like a simple n64 thing but then when you get in there it's got such tight gameplay mechanics oh definitely yeah no it really holds up it, it holds up on the nostalgia level and the gameplay level, which is, it's it's really hard to find that for gaming, especially like in the 90s too, because you'll have like mm-hmm. games that you grew up with as a kid and you're like, man, this is the best game ever. You go back to play and you're like, <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> I This one, yeah, totally. You're right. This one actually surprised me in a way. I never played the full game back when I was a kid because my version used to crash all the time. Oh, I could no. only unlock a certain number of tracks before it would crash and I could never save, so I'd have to restart the game each time I played. But um, going back and experiencing the full game now and realizing like the tracks are you know all unique they have shortcuts you have to there's a learning curve to them you kind of have to you know you can't win each track the first time you drive them just because of how difficult they can get mm-hmm. it's a real like gets really gamey and i really love that about it were you playing on the oh, uh, on the switch andrew or did no, you di- i've actually got it on both but i oh, okay. ma- mainly ps4 okay. yeah oh right i forgot it was just released on for PS4. the controller to be honest yeah, like yeah, yeah. I played through Shadows of the Empire, which was my favorite Star Wars game when I was a kid. That and Rogue Squadron, and it really didn't hold up very well. Yes, uh, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, because it it was it was my favorite game as a kid. Um, but yeah, not the best as an adult. So I'm glad to hear that that held up for you. <laughs> Are there many that hold up though? Like, if we're being honest, do many of the games? still i feel like the only reason star wars racer works is because it is simply a racing game Mm -hmm. and the dev said they wanted to make it like an eye peeling Mm -hmm. racing experience where it's so fast that you're just like you're not blinking basically (laughs) and i think that basic idea is what you know pulls it through today whereas Mm -hmm. you know some of the other games from back then like i saw your video on republic commando yeah and how 
much of a grind it can be. I hate and that game. <laughs> I still haven't finished it. I started playing it a few months ago. It's so hard, right? You just get stuck because it's like you you run out of ammo. You don't have enough health. Battle droids take. 30 40 shots to kill mm-hmm. it's yeah you know, it's not well that game doesn't have an excuse because that game came out like the same year as halo 2 and like it's worse mm-hmm. in like every possible way <laughs> <laughs> besides for maybe like uh ui so I, I don't know people people give that game a lot of people do like it because they like the slower based combat but ugh, not for me i like the yeah the strategy and it's cool i like the how it you know you have multiple different weapons and you can tell your team where to go I like that mm-hmm. side of it but in terms of like you know having to put 30 rounds into a super battle droid that's you know that's where it's it falls yeah, apart i think yeah one of one that i played when we first got the playstation we got the darth vader playstation for battlefront 2 it came with like the 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 NES Star Wars mm. game and the the Star Wars Racer Star Starfighter and one that I really enjoyed but it's kind of like kind of that same idea grindy is the um, Bounty Hunter game I never played that one oh yeah yeah it's really fun but you get like I've had to take week long breaks <laughs> from it <laughs> like okay I got to take a break otherwise That's... I'm going to break my PlayStation dude That's another one I yeah. I was going to say, I want to go back and try Rogue Squadron. (laughs) On that front, Rogue Squadron leads perfectly into the main topic of today's episode, Squadrons. So let's let's kind of go over the the your first reactions to Squadrons. What when it got announced? What were your thoughts, or when it got leaked and then announced? What were your thoughts? I think I had heard some rumors going around. Um, I wasn't really surprised when it got announced. But I was mm-hmm. really excited, and that first, like, if we go all the way to the first reveal trailer, that trailer is amazing. I tweeted about that the other day, um, but the music in that trailer, the cinematics, everything is just really great. And there are like even a lot of hints in that little reveal trailer that it was going to be a game that I liked. It showed the uh, the pilot shunting power between different systems, kind of indicating that it'd be a bit deeper of a gameplay experience, and it's set in an interesting era, I think. And I'm just huge on space combat like that's what my second channel or my sorry my first channel is mostly about and we play empire at war which is like a space strategy game mostly on my second channel so clearly it's interesting to me so it was you know right up my alleyway we haven't gotten anything you know like that since i don't really know it's been it's been ages i mean the last entering the x game x-wing series was x-wing alliance so yeah i was i was really excited i um I'm really pleased that EA decided to make another kind of more specialized game mm-hmm. that, although it is multiplayer, it's kind of a very unique experience that's definitely not going to be for everyone. I think, you know, they're, they're appealing to a very specific audience with squadrons and, you know, everyone who plays Battlefront 2 definitely isn't going to pick up squadrons and give that a go just because it's a much um it's a lot more gamey in a lot of ways like it's um you know there's a steeper learning curve to actually being able to fly a cockpit i know a lot of people didn't necessarily like starfighter assault in battlefront 2 just because they don't like flying Mm -hmm. ships and Mm -hmm. the fact that this game is locking that into first person and giving you that personalized experience which i'm super excited for and i'm sure so many people are it's you know really creating that fantasy of piloting an x-wing or a tie fighter and especially in vr that's going to take things to a new dimension and just you know evolve gaming hopefully like this is the first one of the first real like Mm -hmm. full-on 
VR experiences we're going to get across all consoles and cross-play. Oh, definitely. That's, you know, it's very exciting. It's super cool to see how we've got VR that was introduced. It's been around for a while, if you're going all the way back to like Nintendo Virtual Boy. And the idea of it, of it has been before even that. But you have this thing that's just been like, you you buy it and then you make all your friends play it and then you smile as they experience something that you really enjoy. And now we have things like Half-Life Alex and this game. I think those two are going to be like the tentpole mm-hmm. games of pushing forward what we're going to expect from VR games. It's it's going to be really cool. Um, another thing I really liked about Squadrons, when I first saw it, we heard rumblings of it. Um, there were people speculating when it was going to come out and just generally curious about it. I was a huge player of the Battlefront 2015 Starfighter game mode. I love that. And then when Battlefront 2 first came out, that was one of my favorite game modes. Obviously, as as the support waned for that, my my interest for it really waned. So it it didn't really I didn't really play a whole lot of it more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, now that Squadron's coming back, I'm jumping back into it. But it's super awesome to see that people who are really really into the starfighter experiences that that huge immersion like the experience that we got with the battlefront 2015 vr experience i put that on on psvr and i had a pin in my hand mm. and i went to go drop it on the cockpit <laughs> of the x-wing <laughs> like i was just so immersed in the yeah. game i was just like went to go drop it off wow yeah you're right about vr because like i've got a quest which i'm hoping will work with uh, squadrons because it's not a like it's 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 a self-contained headset, but apparently you can plug mm-hmm. it into your computer or whatever uh, with like Oculus Link or something. But anyway, VR did kind of start off a little gamey. Like there were games that were built around it or that worked really really well for it just because of like some intricacy of like the game. Like Super Hot is one that I can think of. Yes. Or what are essentially like glorified tech demos, and I don't mean that in a negative way with like those uh, those job simulator games. But what we're seeing with, like, Half-Life Alex, and even more so with this game, arguably, is just, like, this is a game that wasn't designed around VR, but which VR can enhance just because it works so well. Because this game really gets past one of the main hurdles of VR in the fact that the player doesn't need to move. You can sit in your chair, and you're getting the full VR experience. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I think, one of the main issues that they've, most VR headsets have trouble getting around because it's either really weird to use a controller to walk um, well, you've got some sort of headset on or, you know, you've got a very limited play space. Definitely. And th- yeah, no. the, the controller moving part will definitely push it to where, like, you are more likely to get nauseous yeah, through that. Yeah, for sure. Are you guys um, going full HOTUS as well? Have you guys invested in a in a HOTUS setup? I'm thinking about I it. I have not. I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm very much considering it. We didn't get to try it, unfortunately, did anyone get to try HOTUS yet? Um, I'm, I'm curious how well it works. Like, I don't think so. We played with controller, and I, I thought it felt perfect. I know because the tech demo we played didn't have mouse and keyboard. Sorry, it had mouse and keyboard and controller, but not HOTUS and not VR. Um, but, I mean, yeah. apparently VR works really well for flight sims. I guess it's, like, one of the best mm-hmm. ways to get, used, like, to get your legs for VR. Um, but I know, like, mouse and keyboard in this game is not going to be something you want to play. Everything... That I've heard is just that mouse and keyboard doesn't work very well, but controller does. Yeah. So if you can't afford a HOTUS, I mean, you'll probably be fine with a controller. I didn't feel like I was limited. 
Andrew, you seem like you, you've been really, really considering it. What are, what are your thoughts? Oh, no, I, I went out and bought one on, on Ollie. <laughs> I'm just like, as soon as they said it's Hodus, I'm like, yep, doing it, done, lock it in. Because I kind of just, you know, the fact that it's VR and is also has that support, I kind of just wanted to be able to experience the full experience and see... I've never used one, you know, I, I used a joystick when I was a kid. I had a steering wheel on my PC, but mm-hmm. apart from that, I've never really used these real, you know, flight sim or gaming uh, accessories. So, I kind of just wanted that, mm-hmm. you know, completely immersive experience. I'm considering even getting like these things that hang off your table. You can kind of clamp onto mm-hmm. your table so that the joysticks are at your sides and not like you're not oh, raising wow. your arms on the desk above you. We'll see. I don't know how far I'm gonna go i don't know if i'm gonna go full nerd yet but um, build like an actual cockpit in your house Embrace it. yeah exactly just you know that's it uh, my, my life this this game is you know just gonna take it over but in terms of vr like i think what this game hopefully will do as well is just start to bring vr out of that gimmick that heck was talking about before as well and mm-hmm. yeah not to take anything away from the job simulator games and so many of the other games that are in vr but I think we all agree that, like, up until this point, it has felt very tech demo-y, mm-hmm. right? Well, like, oh, we definitely. had the, you know, even the Battlefront um, VR mission, it's 15 minutes. It's it's a test, and it was like a, it's almost like a building a portfolio for, like, hey, look at the potential of this, mm-hmm. you know, software and hardware and what it can do, and now let's actually get the money and the investment to take this to another level. And I think it's interesting reading interviews with Ian Frazier, the um, the Squadron's dev, him saying that the original build, obviously, they built was just a Squadron's game, you know, on the screen, mm-hmm. right? And then they were like, huh, I wonder what we can do with VR. Can we spend another couple of weeks putting this into VR? And they did. And then they showed it to whoever, you know, the higher-ups, and they're like, yeah, amazing, let's do it. That, that to me is like, you know, exciting possibilities mm-hmm. for continuing growth of VR in the future. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw, but Ian, Ian Fraser, the lead dev, also announced that they'll be using voice attack, which is basically a program that you can, you can program on your computer. I, I, I've never used it. I've got a basic understanding just based on what I read today. So you can talk into your mic, say something like full power to shields and it will you know, put in whatever key macros or inputs in so that the game actually does your command. So oh, wow. y- you can um, program as many commands as you want. So you could have it, you know, fire torpedo and it, you know, hits the key for torpedo or shields front and it'll put shields front or apparently people in some other um, games that use it will even include more complex things like do roll maneuver or whatever and it will, you know, hit certain oh, keys wow. at once. Um, and I also That's saw that amazing. there's somebody who's developing a like a droid pack for it, like a fan droid pack. So basically, you'll say R2 shields front, and then um, a sound will play back to you. So you can get VR, <laughs> you can yeah. get HOTUS, you can get your R2 unit talking to you. Um, lot to lot to do they've there. really gone all out they've oh, really yeah. gone all out like it you know that's kind of what's just surprised me so much and i think you know that shows something about ea's reputation as well doesn't it the fact that they've copped so much flack for these kinds of games and for, you know obviously all the microtransaction stuff everything that we went on we're not going to talk about that but this game is like the ultimate fantasy that they're building mm-hmm. and learning that i've had people asking me if the voice support like that will be included and now that you've told me that i'm you know 
it's like yeah it's like talking to your astromech what an experience yeah I, i'm working with the guy to make a video on it and i've heard some of like the uh some of the stuff and it's really cool you'll even be able to switch whether you're a new republic or empire it's such an interesting thing so we've got ea has had the license since 2013 mm -hmm. we've had battlefront 2015 we've had battlefront 2 and we've had jedi fallen order we're having this game as well it's interesting to see we've got these gigantic blockbuster with battlefront Battlefront 2 was the everything Star Wars game. So it tried to be everything. Mm -hmm. And it, it suffered for that because they couldn't really multitask with the different game modes. If they were supporting one game mode, they were not supporting another game mode. And then you see this. This has a, been a topic on our podcast for, a, for quite a few episodes. But the idea of rather than having one game that does everything, maybe what would be very interesting is to have very specific games that support a a niche audience so with this game maybe maybe going forward we have this going to be the starfighter game uh, for now battlefront is the online multiplayer shooter game we've got jedi fallen order being the single player game maybe going forward we have more of those types of experiences what do you guys think it's going to be interesting to say so one thing I will say, EA have said they're going to double down on Star Wars games in the next few years, right? Which is a statement yes. they made, I'm assuming, because they know that the license is going up for either renewal or expiring in 2023. So they either have to, in the next few years, produce several more really good Star Wars games to make up for what's happened in the last year, mm -hmm. in the last few years, sorry, or, you know, kind of try, try and make up for that in some way. One thing I wanted to ask you guys about is a lot of people obviously call the mid-2000s like the golden age for Star Wars gaming, right? Mm -hmm. And the year 2005, there was Battlefront 2, the original, released. The Revenge of the Sith tie-in game. A lot of people love that on um, PlayStation and I think it was on another console Xbox, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you had Lego Star mm -hmm. Wars, um, the original Lego Star Wars yes. video game. And also there was one more... Republic Commando, yeah. all released in 2005. Yeah, Empire right? War was 06 Knowing as well. that, there you go. Knowing that all those games back then released in that time period in such yeah. a short amount of time, within the space of a year or two, and seeing EA so far, they've had the license for seven years, they've only put out three games. A lot of people argue that they haven't done nearly enough with the license, right? Do you think that that's because gaming now is so different, it's online all of those games back then were, you know, generally more focused on the single player experience. Mm -hmm. It was just a different time for gaming. They're more basic games. Whereas, you know, you compare them to modern day Battlefront 2. It's another, you know, it's it's a much bigger mm -hmm. kind of um, to build, right? Would you argue that that's the reason why there haven't been as many Star Wars games? Or do you think that kind of reality of 2005 could still exist now? I think it's kind of a mix because... If you look at even what LucasArts put out, by the time, you know, that they lost or that, that LucasArts folded, they weren't putting out very many games either. Um, mm -hmm. They became a publishing platform, basically. Yeah, I, I just don't think with how much work a AAA studio or how much work a, a AAA game requires that it's feasible for one publisher, even one as large as EA, to actively manage as many games as LucasArts could manage in the past. And, like, I like EA, especially... After, you know, the whole Battlefront 2 fiasco, I think they get mm -hmm. way, way too much crap now. Uh, like, I have people saying, I'm not going to buy Squadrons because it's got microtransactions. I'm like, 
one they've confirmed it won't have any and two you know battlefront has been a great game and fallen order had nothing um but you know they've 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 got that perhaps rightly earned um reputation but yeah even as much as i love ea and you know it would be in my self-interest for them to continue um having the star wars brand because i'm a game changer so i get to play all the stuff early and get exclusive content and whatever i still think they should probably um spread it out to a few different companies because i don't see what the harm is in is in it i don't think star wars fans are going to be satiated by video games um i think star wars fans would buy one or two video games a year easily um Mm -hmm. so there needs to be more like like you said there's a couple sides to it like you've got the, the the question of do you think we can have that many in a single year yes but they would have to double they would have to quadruple down instead of double down uh, they would have mm-hmm. to open like specific studios mm-hmm. just for those. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have Dice running Battlefield on Battlefront. They would have to have like Battlefront Two developer. They would have to have X developer mm-hmm. like specifically created. And I think there's an idea that I mean, if any company were to be able to do it, just one company, it would be EA. Mm-hmm. But that runs into an issue, in in my opinion. Like complacency. So. <laughs> Exactly. They don't have any competition. If they opened it up where EA maybe has like, EA can still produce all of these games, but now um, Lucas, I think, I think it, I don't know if LucasArts is still a thing, but there is a an internal group that is based out of Lucasfilm that is specifically for the video games. Mm-hmm. It's still around. That's who they talk to. They're also a pain in the butt to work with. Um, that's another reason. Um consistently through the history of star wars video games lucasfilm has been the hitch and the the pothole in the road for all of these different types of games you see that with like 1313 mm-hmm. the history of like how that game basically crumbled apart because lucas george lucas himself was like oh yeah change that and change that and change that oh yeah now this game's going to be based on uh, boba fett mm-hmm. Like we we just we just made an entire story arc about this character we made, and now you want us to throw it out the window. Yeah. Um, I've heard similar things through the creation of these Star Wars games. Is like it's super frustrating to work with Lucasfilm, um, especially with like Battlefront twenty fifteen yeah, because I they had that, that whole thing. Like everything needed to be canon. Like there there was a reason yeah. that they didn't have any prequel or sequel trilogy anything in that. It's because it had to be canon even though you have palpatine on jakku mm-hmm. when he was obviously dead by the end of the, the trilogy yeah sure. I, don't, I don't think you should let sure. canon get in the way of fun like mm-hmm. games like it honestly like if you look at like star wars games on the n64 um you know rogue squadron is a really good example the the games could fit really well within canon um and there were even some star wars legends connections in rogue squadron because you played some of the dark empire missions where you're on mon calamari or yeah. whatever else but, like, they didn't let canon get in the way of a good time. If you want to have Rogue Squadron somewhere where they wouldn't necessarily have been do it, Crix Medine was already technically rescued from the Empire once in Legends, but, like, they did it again because it'd be a really cool mission. Um, and it's, it's like video games to me. Like, as long as they're fun, especially for multiplayer video games, like, if they said Star Wars Squadron, nothing in Star Wars Squadrons is canon, I, I wouldn't have cared, um, at least for multiplayer. Um, mm-hmm. So... Like if I think yeah, that's part of their current 
initiative though isn't it to keep everything within that because they're trying more disney yeah like the disney side of you know lucasfilm whatever are trying to just continue to build this world right everything they put out that star wars they want to be disney canon star wars right yeah that's that's their whole idea but like you can you can keep that but keep maybe like the campaign is the only thing that's canon and then you have like oh yeah this character was dead and so they would never be able to fight this character like Mm -hmm. just for the 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 sake of gameplay but i think that's something that they've struggled with going back to games like the force unleashed and stuff like that do we know i can't remember from back then but was everything at the time canon like i know starkiller was like his story was but but that game also had like alternate endings and stuff, yeah. which were like some were canon, some weren't. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it was like they were selective about, okay, yes, this can fall into it, but we're also going to give players this experience because it's fun, even though it messes with continuity. That's kind of, yeah. I think, something people can accept. Even <laughs> the Revenge of the Sith game from 2005 had an alternate ending where Anakin kills Obi-Wan and Palpatine and becomes like basically <laughs> the Emperor, I guess. What, an, what a game. You know, that wouldn't get made now, but it's everyone remembers it because it's so much fun. And of course, you want to figure out how to unlock a secret mm-hmm. ending to a game and have Anakin become like the supreme overlord of the galaxy. Like what an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are games that like probably don't fit into canon very well but like i'm still happy they exist like the force unleashed yeah. doesn't really mesh with like anything else that happens like star killer doesn't really work very well like in the greater universe mm-hmm. but like they've specifically said he was too powerful to bring into canon right and but like i'm still happy those games exist like i have no trouble it's all fictional universe i've got no trouble thinking that this fake thing exists less than this other fake thing um mm-hmm. <laughs> this fake thing has to yeah yeah that's a very good a little, point it's a little ludicrous <laughs> um but like so the way the old canon would do it is that there would be sort of levels of canon so it would be like the films would supersede the books and you know with comics and mm-hmm. then different levels of canon and they argue that that's not what's going right. on with the new canon but like the movies have already overwritten things several times. Like a good example, oh, definitely. the Clone Wars over overwrote stuff about like how Ahsoka disposed of her lightsaber and whatever else. So I wish they'd just be honest okay. with themselves and just stop trying to pretend that it's not a fictional universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Make it so much easier for the game developers too. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah. hey, look, this is a really cool game idea that everyone's requesting. And they're like, sorry, pal, this fake thing is not canon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it's interesting. You were saying before about like the days of LucasArts and how dealing with Lucasfilm has been the hitch and everything, right? Um, I spoke to Dan Borth a few months ago. He was the creator of the Darth Maul, cancelled Darth Maul game. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yes. hearing stuff about that. Oh my gosh. I got to interview him. Yeah. So that game had kind of a similar journey to what 1313 had, but he had nothing but praise to say what his dealings were with Lucasfilm and LucasArts. He said they'd fly out there, they'd have meetings for several days, they'd talk about the game, the new story directions and everything. Lucasfilm, LucasArts, sorry, would be excited about all their ideas and, you know, say, yes, we'll do this one, whatever. They'd fly back, they'd make the game. And then they'd show them that and then, like, it'd be either, like, George would intervene. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things have changed now. He's not, you know, directly involved in these kinds of projects anymore. 
but he'd be like, that game had a wild ride. You know, it started off as a Maul origin story, then it was a Clone Wars tie-in, then it was a Darth Talon tie-in, even though her character it's George just loved doesn't. Darth Talon. He tried to get her in episode seven yeah, as well. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. The concept art, I'm what not a, joking. Yeah, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, like that kind of journey and just knowing that getting approvals for, you know, something I guess they're trying to keep continuity wise that's what where the like you're saying where the difficulty arises but um uh, apparently yeah george lucas hated the force unleashed after it released as well and before he had a meeting with lucas there were lucasfilm executives rushing all of this force unleashed art out of the room and trying to just like get it out so that Mary george Jane, when george arrived it wouldn't be there yeah. yeah exactly like what you know yeah yeah Quick, before he makes it about Boba Fett. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Don't put the idea in his head. Yeah. He's going to make Chewbacca be force sensitive. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, after he kills him. Yeah. Bring his back from the dead. But, like, even the Force Unleashed had some pretty good Legends references. Like, Garm Iblis, who's a well-known Legends character from the Throne trilogy, is in there in the flesh. So, you know, you can do it. And, like, without being, you know, Nazis over it. Like, not to... Put too fine a point on it, I guess. After after talking about that and th- those past experiences going into squadrons, and do you think it's a co- accomplish its original goal, which is fulfilling the wannabe pilots in Star Wars dreams? I'll give a slight spoiler warning if anyone wants to click off. Because we got to play the prologue, and if you don't want that spoiled, maybe just come back in a few minutes. But we got to play the prologue, and the very first scene is, like, you're leaving the hangar of this Imperial Star Destroyer. And it's, like, it's crazy. Like, that is probably one of my favorite Star Wars video game moments, because you leave the hangar, you're in this TIE fighter, like, the Star Destroyer is rendered, and it's full proper scale below you. Um, Which I asked Ian, by the way, he confirmed all the ships are properly scaled. And um, you just you're flying amongst this fleet of like a dozen ships, and there's new uh, cruisers like hyperspacing in next to you. It's just so cool. Um, and if there's you know more moments like that in the game, which I assume there will be, because there's another one right after with the Rebel fleet, um, I think it definitely will fulfill its uh, promise. And then multiplayer is very very. Um, it, it's just you you feel like it like when you form up on one of your squadron mates and make a run on like a star destroyer or something like it feels really cool yeah i mean after playing you know together as well and just seeing other starfighters around you you know when we're when we're on voice chat and everything and knowing that all right he's on this wing i'm on that wing and we're flying into battle together that is such a fantasy fulfilling experience Mm -hmm. flying into combat with your friends and yeah the story really kind of puts you in these star wars set pieces and it's it's in the name it's squadrons right you're in a fleet mm-hmm. you fly out of a of a star destroyer or a you know mon calamari or whatever it is and kind of just get that experience of we're in space we're flying around a fleet of you know our our own ships and having that it's very immersive it's gonna be very fun on voice chat as well like when if you can get a full squadron <laughs> of five it is gonna be so much fun like i'm Legitimately going to be addicted to this game when it comes out. Do you see the, there being a possibility for like esports of this game? Because that's been a, a topic that a lot of people have been uh, speculating about. Obviously, they don't have private matches at least announced quite yet, which which I think would be a huge hitch to it actually becoming an esports thing. But as it is, do you see it 
at least having the potential for esports? There's a very, very high skill um, difference. Um, and it's, it's, it's all due to how good a player is. A very good player in squadrons will beat a bad player in squadrons 100 times out of 100. Like when we were talking to Ian afterwards, uh, he, we had a bit of a Q&A, and he talked about how the testers will come in. Like the or like the QA people who've been playing the game for a while, they'll come in and they'll beat new testers without losing a single ship. And uh, we felt a bit of that when we were in you know some of the better squads. And the game plays a lot like a MOBA, which is something that I was kind of surprised in, like almost like a League of Legends or a Dota, um, huh. the fleet battles mode in particular, because you're very very punished for dying. There's what's called a uh, morale meter. So when you die, not only are you out for 15 seconds, which is a long time in a fast paced game. But you also get a massive morale uh, boost to the other team. So like three or four deaths is a huge, huge difference. But if you play more consciously, you can get back. You can heal up. If you fly with a squadron member, you're much more likely to survive. And then like if you're in the middle of the map, almost because the Nadiri Shipyards map even has three different lanes with almost like a jungle in the middle where you can um, farm AI players for points. Um, so it's it's a very, very skill-based. It's going to be very competitive once... Especially once people um, get, you know, when there's squads of five on five with full voice chat, there's lots of interesting things you can do with like the targeting systems, the marking system, the ping system. Um, it's going to be really competitive, and I'm curious to see just how far they can take uh, the competitive scene because I'm I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that too. I don't know much about esports and that kind of side of gaming, but based on you know having played this game i think it i think it leans more towards the flight sim than the arcade you know it's not starfighter assault like we've talked about there is a very steep learning curve to it if you want to get to the you know upper echelons of being one of those amazing players um you can be that you can become an ace pilot and just you know the the control system as well the fact you know you're pointing your shields in different directions you're changing your power between your engines your um yeah the ping system even the fact you can change objectives and select to only target yeah. certain parts of a capital ship or capital ships or ai characters or pl other players or your team you know there's a there's a system where you can shout for help and it'll ping you those kinds of things i think work so well in a team environment and that is all going to contribute to it being pushed into potentially an esports market yeah mm -hmm. um i'd love to see it happen like you know are there any current star wars games no that are not really i don't no. think so no, uh, right no. and if yeah if it's going to happen this could definitely be the one there's like there's so many little things too like one thing that i was told is if, if you're playing a support player uh, as a support ship have it so your ship only targets friendly starfighters so you can find them more easily um and there's just so many little things you can do and plus there's I think how many components are there, Andrew? Sixty, maybe. There's enough to that there will be uh, yeah, a pretty healthy meta of like if you want to play as a, an X-wing, you can be a like a heavy assault X-wing with you know slower uh, engines in favor for more shields and more weapon or not more weapons, but more shields, a bit more sturdiness. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you know you swap your guns out so they're better against capital ships. Then you'll have on the other hand like your anti-starfighter X-wing, and you can have all of that for each different ship type. Um, so there's a lot of room for like a meta. There's a lot of, like Andrew mentioned, a good player can beat a bad player in so many different ways, whether it's angling their shields or, you know, precise control over energy systems or just different maneuvers that you can do as well. 
Um, like one really advanced technique that I pulled off once because I was very lucky is if you're being chased by a torpedo and you're going with your boost, you can cut your engines, turn all the way around, set your targeting so you can find the torpedo more easily than shoot it out of the air, which is... Oh, wow. So there's like a what? lot of... Yeah, because the torpedoes are actually projectiles, right? Um, That's amazing. Yeah. You did that. That's, That's like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate Star Wars <laughs> moment. Yeah, it's crazy. But like in the good players, we're doing that all the time. Yeah. Why, why waste the chaff if you can just <laughs> shoot it yourself? <laughs> That's so true. That's awesome. Do you feel like they've nailed that that gameplay hook and the the 5v5 areas of the game? Do you think 5v5 was like the the peak number? Yeah, I do because I think I think more gets a little too. I, I can see an argument for more personally. I feel like 5v5 is really it's almost like a Halo. Like I was playing Halo Three and I was like, why is this reminding me so much of Squadrons? Because it it is very <laughs> similar to that. Like very tight. Um, it's smaller gameplay. If they'd gone twelve by twelve by twelve, you could have had maybe larger fleet battles or whatever. But yeah, I think it fits. Having played it now, I think anything higher would feel too crowded. And even playing in the um, the dogfights game mode, which is basically team deathmatch, you've constantly you're constantly either chasing someone or have someone on your tail. And it's not like the maps are small. Like. There's still a lot of space. When yep. you're in space as well, it does feel like you're flying mm-hmm. slow. I've noticed a lot of people saying, oh, it looks like why are the ships so slow? They're really not. I think it's just because the maps exactly. are kind of so fast yeah. and space is so big that you know when you get up close to a capital ship or another structure, you realize, oh, crap, I'm actually going quite fast. Mm-hmm. And you're just not noticing that. But um, yeah, any more players, and I think it had become crowded. In fleet battles as well, the AI mm-hmm. definitely, you know, makes it a little more dense just in the in the middle of the section capital the ships too you're, you're flying yeah true oh that's yeah, the other the capital thing ships yeah will so it's not only you. the capital ships <laughs> or the it's, corvettes yeah. it's the support yeah. ships as well though right yeah the corvettes and the the other the um, frigates, like yeah. the frigates if you get anywhere near them and you're not going at full there's speed. so much constant yeah. you're, you're not yeah, going at full speed there's so down. much laser fire going around you're yeah like it already feels busy playing fleet battles as well jumping in you're gonna die immediately the first time you play yeah like you'll fly at a ship and you'll be dead in 10 seconds and that's kind of you know something you're going to have to learn to experience all right how do i get around the other side of the ship how do i divert their fire somewhere else and try and get the one up on them um yeah there's definitely like that meta to it ultimately if they made the map if they made more players the, the maps i don't think they could make much denser i think they're at a sweet spot right now so if they wanted to add an extra two players on fleet battles they'd have to add like that extra lane for example on um on Indiri shipyards and i just don't think there's any real benefit there because that's not mm-hmm. like that's not a better experience for you that's just there's more going on in the battle do you feel like the the ai is a necessary addition to the game do you think it would have worked better without them the ship ai is definitely necessary like the, the the cruiser and the corvette and the uh, because the corvettes will actually fly around the entire battlefield and even the capital ships move as the battle goes on they're necessary. Um, I didn't get killed too often by the uh, the kind of middling ship AI in the middle. I think they're probably honestly mostly there to help with farming and to help keep people out of the middle of the map camping. So okay. on the Nadiri Shipyards map, I don't know if they're vital, but I'm happy they're in there. And there are a lot of them. Um, we asked, I forget who asked how many there are on each map, and 
Ian didn't give an exact answer, but he said se several dozen, I think, on each side. Less than 50, but Oof. more than a dozen on each side. Um, really? Even playing, it doesn't feel that way. I mean, it feels like there's a lot, and it like it's very dense, but there's no way I noticed, like... I thought it would have been only, like, maybe 10. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot. Obviously... A, a really hardcore community is going to be for this game. Do, what kind of do you think that there's going to be a casual community with this, or do you think it's going to be more of the the hardcore gamer going for this? Really good question. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it's tough to say because, like, I feel like I mean we've only spent several hours with the game, so it's hard to say at the early stages. But like we've said. It is a difficult game. There is a learning curve to it. Yes, you can play as a beginner, but if you go up against anyone with a higher skill level than you, you're going to get killed. So, me and Andrew are going to be I think it, blasting it, you know, boys for like a good week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a go. But um, yeah, I think it definitely favors the more skilled player and the more hardcore audience. Um, in terms of casual gamers, people looking for that fantasy fulfilling experience. I mean, perhaps that's what the single player is. That's more for the casual gamer. But um, also the dogfights mode as well. I found like it's much easier jumping into a game of that than it is a fleet battles mode and much easier to just know what's going on. So um, perhaps that will appeal to more of that audience. We'll say there is also ranked, think, there is ranked matchmaking as well. Um, oh, so it, it's just like even if I'm a bad you know, CSGO player, a bad Halo player, um, I'm not. I'm very good at Halo. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um <laughs> still jump into rank and have fun. Halo and Mario Kart. <laughs> I'm way. I wish I was as good at Halo as I was at Mario Kart. I'd be raking <laughs> it in right now. But uh, yeah, so I think there is a spot for everyone. I I do think the game will definitely appeal more to purists than uh, maybe a little less casual friendly than Battlefront Two, which was you know mm -hmm. very casual friendly. I would say maybe yeah. too much so. Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely not giving that experience. So. Like, it's it's much steeper than Battlefront 2. You're not going to be just jumping into a game and, you know, running around a Battlefront. It's it's like, this is an experience playing this. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. At any point during playing the game, so you had obviously never played the game before you played the game. Um, was there any moment with with you playing against the other people who maybe with some of the some of the developers were playing with you? Was there any moment where you're getting frustrated from the experience? I wouldn't say if I got frustrated, but there was one time I was playing against. I I just to be frank, I just had some really new people on my team. I mean, I was new too, but who were definitely new to flying games, and we were just getting creamed. But like, mm -hmm. I I just can't really get frustrated at those kind of events. Like it was the same with the Battlefront Two thing. I, I'm sure Andrew remembers this too. There'd be certain events where, like, the the way the matchmaking would work, it'd be, like, a bunch of journalists versus a bunch of YouTubers, and the journalists would just get, yeah. like, destroyed. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's hard to get frustrated during those yeah. events because I know, like, I know who we're playing with. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Battlefront 2 launch event, we had a lot of fun just farming journalists. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, look, there's another one. Yeah. Oh, there's the guy that wrote that article. Yeah. No, no, I'm joking, but, yeah. Um, this game, yeah, it's not... Um, it depends i guess it does depend on who's on your team but at the same time it's like i think it's going to work best with a squad of friends yeah. as well mm -hmm. playing this over a mic is the experience you want playing this game because that's what it's all about it's about being in a squadron and having that you know experience like you see in a new mm -hmm. hope where all the pilots are talking to each other over the radio and just you know being tactical about how they attack the death star and 
you know, watching everyone die as Mm -hmm. Luke finally gets the win. (laughs) You know, that's the experience you want in this. You want someone delivering that final blow that is just so exhilarating and so exciting and coming up with your own effort to get there. Gamer tags, like um, pilot pilot names and being able to, I know there's definitely going to be like a really hard, like cosplay without the costume. Yeah, you mean like uh, role play? Yeah, role play. There's definitely yeah. going to be a really hardcore role play scene, I think, for this game. Yeah, for sure. I like, I'm not into yeah, that, but I've, you've got I've so seen many that, options. Yeah. The customization options, cosmetic as well, I think, give you that option. Like, you could have a whole team of Celestins, yeah, <laughs> Celestin pilots. That'd be, you know, those types of experience or wearing the same colored oh, uniform sure. and same helmets or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. same colored X Wings and, you know. I, I'm excited for kind of the clans that are going to come mm-hmm. out of this game and just, you know, I'm sure there'll be communities online where you can just join and you're like, this is Pink Squadron mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is Red Squadron and, you know. Yeah, when the game comes out, like, my plan is there's, like, four or five of us, like, and plus whoever else wants to join, really. We're all going to stream it, you know, call ourselves whatever. I like Grog Squadron, personally, because that way I can, like, drink some beers and play or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I've noticed X2 has a real alcohol theme. Like, you just, like, going real heavy on the... It's, you know... Between play and... It's, uh... Beer cart with friends and Sea of Thieves I, I with friends. I can't really uh, go out during... Sea of Drunks. <laughs> during coronavirus. Is that so, what you call it? No, I think we just call it Drunk Sea of Thieves. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's just can't go out during coronavirus, and it's fun. But but no, I know what you mean. Um, I, I think the uh, Grog Squadron would be a bit of a nod to that. Um, but yeah, like we're definitely going to get right into it. Like I know Templin Institute's in our kind of one of our squad. He's going to probably commission someone to design a friggin' logo. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know. Um, Amazing. So we're part of the the Wayfinder uh, group of creators and. We're going to be putting together some really fun content around that and getting some squads together. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's so fun to be able to have this game where you can do stuff like that. I, and that's one of the reasons I really hope that they add um, private matches because it would be so fun. Like we have a lot, lots more people than say five in a squadron. And if you can have mm-hmm. like ten friends, maybe you can go against each other. Like that would be really fun to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that is what comes with a budget game, but. I wish it wasn't a budget game because mm-hmm. like the lack of ongoing support really sucks as well. Even if there's no new starfighters, like it would just be a kind of a nice way to keep the game fresh. I mean, that's why you got to convince everyone, you know, to buy it because if the game, you know, sells like hotcakes, they're not going to stop supporting it. Um, exactly. That's all for this episode, but stay tuned because we will have a continuation of our talk next time. You can find links to both Justin and Andrew's channels in the description and stay tuned on their channels for some awesome content as well. You can find us on Twitter at SWB Podcast as well as on Instagram where we keep you up to date on our weekly streams every Saturday on YouTube. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash battlefrontpodcast like friend of the podcast Daniel Schilling, patreon.com slash battlefrontpodcast. You can also support us on PayPal, paypal.me slash tie-dye sheep. 
T-Y-E-D-Y-E-S-H-E-E-P. Also, we're soon to be rebranding the Patreon along with the podcast, so stay tuned for some awesome content on there. We want to get that back in full swing, so you have a lot of fun stuff there. A completely free way to support the show is through by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts and can leave reviews, we would greatly appreciate it. You can contact us on Instagram, Twitter, comments on this episode, as well as through our email, battlefrompodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts and topic suggestions, what you thought about squadrons, and much more. If you've got something on your mind that you'd like us to talk about, hit us up on any of the social medias and email. Like I said previously, we stream every Saturday on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Star Wars Battlefront podcast. Uh, We've also got some cool content lined up with collaborations with Wolf of Wolf, as well as some other awesome YouTubers. So stay tuned for that. We've got a lot planned over there as well. You can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find podcasts, you can find this show. As always, thanks for listening and may the force be with you. Uh